The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Ecclesia, this is Pastor Chris, and it is with great joy that I get to share with the entire congregation this weekend. I'm at our West Side campus, and by the way, if you go to church downtown and you haven't been over here at some point, you've gotta make your way over. It's a beautiful space, and it's a great, thriving community. I'm sharing with you from the West Side campus because this is a special weekend. We have finally hit the marker for our 20th year as a church, and we're two years removed from Hurricane Harvey. And what I told you when Hurricane Harvey hit was that if I was gonna go through hell with anybody, you're the people I wanted to go through hell with. And that when you go through an experience like that, and you're not just trying to survive, you're actually trying to serve other people, you learn a lot about who you are. And over the last two years, we've learned a lot about who we are. And we've got some stories to tell. And so on our website, uh, you're gonna hear more. You'll hear some in this sermon about some things that have happened since Harvey. But we got a full report of everything that we were able to do. You can go to ecclesiahouston.org slash Harvey, and you're gonna get this beautiful report. It's gonna tell you all the things that we did, every dollar it was spent, and it's gonna be totally worth your time. As I look at 20 years, and believe me, over my sabbatical, I had time to look back and think, what are the common threads? And if you asked, you know, here we are, we're this church with multiple campuses. Uh, we, we every day have global impact. Every day our church does. And that's cumulative because for all 20 of our years, we've been doing things like drilling water wells. And so you could go to so many places in the world and see a, a continual impact that Ecclesia has made. It literally blows your mind. One of the best things about being the pastor of Ecclesia and being on staff at Ecclesia is that I do get a lot of emails of people that have come to faith, people that for the first time in their life are thriving in an authentic faith community. And the stories just abound and abound. And I look at this beautiful thing that's happened at Ecclesia and you wonder, how do we get to this place? And there's obviously, there's only one real answer. It's God, right? God has blessed us. He's blessed us richly. As I looked at our history, I realized that there were these patterns uh, recurring over and over again, these unique experiences that changed who we are as a people and who the church is. Uh, when I was 18 years old, I was a freshman at Baylor and I took my first job at a church. My, originally I was there to, to lead the music, and, uh, but it was a church without a pastor. And so naturally at times they'd turn and say, well, how about you preach? And uh, so I'd literally like, I'd lead the music and then I'd preach. And uh, my first time to ever preach, um, I, I, I still, I get a little queasy in my stomach just starting to talk about it. I, I had to prepare this sermon and I was just grateful like that it was this little country church in central Texas. And if it bombed, it bombed and not many people would know. And on this particular Sunday, um, I still don't know how it happened exactly, but probably the most influential person that I could think of in my circle and in my life ended up in the audience in the congregation on that day. His name was Herbert H. Reynolds. He was the president of Baylor University. He was a Navy man, and he was one of the most intimidating figures you could ever imagine. I'm telling you, when he stepped into the room, I got up to preach. I didn't realize he was there, and I saw his face. I just, everything tightened up, right? And I preached what had to be the lousiest sermon that anyone's ever heard or preached. I got out, in the, and thank God we don't do this at Ecclesia. Um, but at small churches and country towns, the pastor then goes to the back door and everybody that comes through shakes their hand. It's awkward um, at times, right? Because people don't know what to say, especially if you preached a bad sermon, right? People will come through and just be like, well, that was a sermon. 
it's so painful. And I watched everybody come through the line. And, uh, and if, if you're not a pastor, you may not get it. But I'm telling you, even uh, people like Sean and I that have 45 plus years of, of preaching experience between us, um, it, it's, still, um, it's still helpful to get encouragement and uh, positive feedback. And uh, you, you won't hear a pastor anywhere say, you know, I'm just over-encouraged. I have too many people encouraging me. It does not happen. Uh, but we got, and we got great preachers here, people like Erica that haven't been preaching long, that preach great sermons. I want to encourage you to say, hey, that was great. I really appreciated that. And I remember the line moving along, and I realized Dr. Reynolds has not come through the line. And I thought, this sermon was so bad, he just slipped out the other door, right? Because who would want to look me in the eye after that sermon? Um, but he was the last person in the line. And when he came through the line, I'll never forget, I was wearing this awful kind of avocado green suit that didn't really fit very well. And he shook my hand. And then with his other hand, I remember him putting a $100 bill in my pocket. And as he was sticking a $100 bill in my pocket, he said, son, you're a great preacher. He said, you can do this really, really well and for a really long time. And I can tell you, Ecclesia, one of the reasons I'm preaching today is because if Dr. Reynolds told me I was a great preacher, I was like, well, I need to be a great preacher. See, this was part of what the Hebrews believed, that when you speak something, you speak a blessing, you actually speak it into existence, right? We, we tell our kids often, you're a great reader, not because we've observed that they're a great reader, because in speaking that word, they become a great reader. And there's, there's a blessing that we are to offer in the world. And part of what Dr. Reynolds did that was so unique, and I'm telling you, Ecclesia, I really don't know if I'd have started the two churches I started, if I'd be pastoring today, I think I might've walked out of that sermon and go, I don't ever, you, you preach a bad sermon and it feels like you're this songwriter who begged people to listen and then you, they come and listen and you're like, that, that wasn't so good. It just, it's, it's hurtful, it's painful. I could have easily walked away. But God put Dr. Reynolds in that congregation on that Sunday to bless me, and this is what he did, and this is what I want to talk to you about today. He blessed me, and then he resourced me. Now, and he said, hey, I'm giving you this money because I know going to Baylor is expensive, and I want to help you with it because as you study and you get brighter and you get more skilled, you're going to impact the kingdom. And he blessed me to go out and be a part of the church in a really impactful way. This what, now, this language isn't in the Bible, but this one I want to call it. When you bless somebody and then you resource them, I think what you're doing is you're betting on them. Now, we're not maybe big gamblers around here. I don't know who is. It's easy to lose a lot of money gambling. But when you bet on a person, you get behind them. And I, I would propose to you that this is part of what the Hebrew birthright was. When Isaac is, uh, is in this position to bless Jacob or Esau, and there's this competition for the birthright, the birthright came with a blessing and a resource. The father would say, this is who I long for you to be. This is who I believe you are. And here's some of what you need to actually pull that off. And when those two things come together, I want to tell you, I think it's explosive. It, it happened later in our life as a church. There are more stories I can tell you of just sacrifice of so many people. Um, so many of our staff that, that uh, just were volunteering or uh, so many years that we, we couldn't get paid or we got paid so little, we were all struggling. And I remember one of my favorite Ecclesians, he still is to this day, my buddy, Joe Buller. Joe is filled with life. He is the life of the party. And when he came to Ecclesia, he saw something and he just, he'll tell me the story from time to time. He said, Chris, I saw you up there and you had these ripped jeans and 
I had never seen a pastor in ripped jeans and you were holding a baby and you had a cappuccino in your hand and you were talking about things I had never heard before. And in a week, he said, Joe, Joe came to me and he, uh, he said, Chris, I believe in you. I believe what the church is going to do. For the first time in my life, he had written a check to Ecclesia that had six figures on it. Right? And he put it in my hand and he said, I believe in you. Go make the church what it's supposed to be. Joe Bullard was betting on me. He was betting on us as a church. And, uh, and I'm so grateful that his bet and so many others paid off, right? And so this one I want to suggest to you today, Ecclesia, that maybe part of what makes us unique is we're a church that seeks to bet on people. I, I don't, gambling usually doesn't pay off. The house is the one that wins. Um, I, I'm not going to tell you to place any bets, even though I think the Astros are going to win the World Series this year. And you might want to go to Gallery Furniture and buy a mattress because it's probably going to be free. I don't know for sure, but it might be free. I'm not telling you to gamble, but I think you get the same kind of risk um, reward, the same kind of high when you bet on a person and you bet on that person and they succeed. One of our church members, Mike Wyatt, has recently bet on a friend in Africa, a guy who doesn't have resources, but Mike's just said to him, I think you're smart, I think you'd be a great business person, and so he invested in a business for him, and now he's mentoring him in that business, right? And I'm telling you, if that guy succeeds in his business, and I think he will, it'll be the best investment that Mike ever made. And together as a church, often what we do is bet on people. When I was in Venezuela earlier in the year, uh, I encountered our dear sister, Alexandria. Alexandria was in a tough spot. I came back and told the church about it. Um, she had these pins going through her legs. She'd been in a tough accident. The hospitals in Venezuela were not able to treat her well. And uh, she had actually developed a really dangerous infection in her leg. That infection uh, was so severe that the doctors there were saying, we don't think we can take care of it. It looks like we're gonna need to amputate your leg. As a church, part of what we get to do is find somebody like Alexandria and bet on her. And we just said, Alexandria, we want you to go someplace where you can get the best medical care because we want you to be able to serve your kids, your family and the world. I was watching her, even with these pins in her leg, she was serving the doctors and nurses at the border there in Venezuela. She was loving on people, even with her limitations. And I looked at her and I thought, that's somebody Ecclesia wants to bet on. And uh, it was quite an ordeal, I told you about it. She didn't have a real ID, a valid ID, because Venezuelan government was shut down. It took us a long time to get it. We finally got it. We got her to Argentina. Our dear brothers and sisters at La Misión in Argentina, they've been taking great care of her. She's in a beautiful little apartment. She's seeing some of the best doctors in Latin America. Um, she has had multiple surgeries. Uh, they are, even this week, they are gathering a team of 14 doctors that will be in the room to surround her with advice for the next steps in her treatment. She still needs a knee replacement. Um, this is something our church is funding. When you give to Ecclesia, this is what we do. We gotta care for some things around here. We got uh, utilities, we got a staff that we wanna take care of and we're doing a better job of that than we did back in the early days and we're grateful for that because we have some of the best staff on the whole planet. What we wanna do is care well for the people that serve our church and then we want to share our resources and bet on people like Alexandria. She's got a few more surgeries coming up. I wanna ask you to pray for her. Our dear sister, Andrea Barnes, was recently in Venezuela. She's been there more recently than I've been. And I thought you ought to hear from her about her stories of meeting people that together we could bet on. Uh, we bet on Andrea and Marcus because we love them. I mean, they're just, they've been a faithful part of our community for so long. When Harvey hit them hard, we were so glad to come around them and serve them. 
we know when you bet on them, you're leaning into an opportunity to invest in people that are gonna serve the whole world. And that's who Marcus and Andrea are. These are some of Andrea's reflections from her recent trip to Venezuela. My name is Andrea Barnes. I was born here, but my parents are Venezuelan. My mom's from Caracas and my dad's from Maracaibo. Growing up, I just was always around Venezuela. It's just my culture. I went to Venezuela a lot growing up, and I still have two very close aunts that live there. The crisis has been going on for a while, but the past five years is when it's gotten really bad. So I would say the last three to five years, I've been praying for an opportunity to help. So when I heard Pastor Chris talking about getting to go to Colombia to help the Venezuelans, um, I was just so thankful that our church, I love our church, we do beautiful, beautiful things. And so I was, I was very grateful that I was gonna have the opportunity to go and serve my brothers and sisters When we arrived to Cúcuta, it was pretty overwhelming once we got to the parada or the border. Our driver drove us up there, and it's just the, the like masses of people everywhere, and just like just doing what they can to survive. On the first day, we went to the church at La Parada at the border, just sat with some kids and hugged some kids. We had some books, and I got to give out books and read to a few of them, and it was really, it was really beautiful. And then on the second day, we went to the tent with the walkers, and that was like life-changing because um, I was able to wash their feet and really hear their stories. And they just were like, you know, I, I'm grateful that I was able to rest with you and that you guys gave me some food. They kept telling me, like, I have, I have faith that I'm gonna have, find a better life than I had in Venezuela. And God somehow, like miraculously, was providing for them every day, even though they were like walking across the country. I love that we can partner with and help and know that we are providing. And it might be something small, but it's really big to them because they, they're living day by day. Something God has been showing me since Harvey is that like you have to live in the moment. You can't worry about what's gonna happen tomorrow or a year from now because you don't know, you, you don't know. Before I went, I kinda understood the verse where God's like, you know, I provide for birds every day. How much more am I gonna provide for you? I, like, I feel like I saw that in person. I just see God different. Like he, he's with us here, he's with them there. Um, and we, we don't, we just stay in today. We've been so blessed by everybody in Ecclesia. Um, we would like literally not have a house if it wasn't for our church. I'm just so grateful that we can help these people that are in so much need. I, I have to go back. I feel like they're, they're part of my family now. I have to go back.
Ecclesia, isn't that beautiful? Uh, Andrea wants to go back. I, I want to go back. Not all of you have to go. Um, we are there together. When Andrea is there, when I'm there, we're all there. Our whole church is there. And uh, over my sabbatical, I was able to let go of a lot of things. I was able to relax and uh, focus on other things and be present with my kid at a baseball game. Uh, the one thing I couldn't let go of was Venezuela. I just dreamed about the people in Venezuela at night because uh, I have a love for them. I've seen the suffering. When we lean in on a project like this, because there's a need, I want you to know it's not just because it hits the news and then it matters. When we lean in, we don't lean in and then just pull out when uh, we get bored and are ready to do the next thing. We've been leaning in for months now. And so I wanna share with you that uh, so far, Ecclesia, we've invested about $77,000 uh, in the work in Venezuela. A lot of that's gone to upgrades for the church. It's a remarkable church, La Frontera. It's, it's just border church. They just knew somehow before they even, all this was going on, they had a ministry at the border. Um, Pastor Maurizio is a gift. Um, he served selflessly. Um, in ways that I couldn't even describe to you. We've been helping build out the church. We've been uh, working on water supply and electrification and getting fans there and helping set up uh, what we need for the medical clinic to work well. Um, we now have invested monthly in a feeding program so that uh, we're, we're hiring four Venezuelan ladies that need jobs. We think that's important uh, because we give them a chance to work and they make the food that they share with other Venezuelan people that are hungry. And so that comes out to about $3,500 a month. There's about $1,000 that goes to, to get baby formula. We don't want any baby to come in that's malnourished to leave without baby formula. That, that just wouldn't be us uh, to pull back on any of those things. We're going to be leaning in on those every month. There's more opportunities. What I need you to know is that when you give to Ecclesia, these are the things that we're up to, and it takes all of us together. If you automate your giving, if you pull that together, if the church can actually count on, hey, we can make these commitments. We can up our commitments because we have church members that have made commitments to be a part of it. It helps all of us to plan and serve in beautiful ways. Uh, Andrea shared with you these beautiful tents where people literally by the thousands every day are just walking and they're walking and walking. And, uh, and to have Christian brothers and sisters there, they wash their feet and they do exactly what I told you it is when you bet on somebody. They bless them then they share something with them. What They don't have much to share right now. They share a little bit of food. We provide groceries uh, uh, so that that tent can feed people when they come. What we'd like to do and what I wanna invite you to do is we want to up our opportunity there to bet on people. And this is the opportunity we have, is to give a kit with um, some new, a new pair of shoes and socks to everybody. They're about to walk, uh, for many of them, hundreds and even thousands of miles. And uh, what we want to do is say, hey, here's a new pair of shoes. Here's some socks. We're going to set you off in good footing and some nutrition bars so that the, literally they're going and they don't know. They're counting on uh, God providing somehow for them. And as Andrea told you, God does provide, but we'd like to be a part of that provision. And then our brothers and sisters that are serving through the church there have said, if we could buy a van, it would be about $10,000. If we could buy a van we could drive people for their first 150 miles. Can you imagine being able to come to somebody and say, hey, listen, you got a long journey ahead of you. Uh, we can't take you all the way there, but we're gonna get you 150 miles ahead. We're gonna put you in the van. We're gonna feed you. We're gonna pray for you. We're gonna make sure you're hydrated well. We're gonna get you off on your journey in a strong way. I think it'd be a beautiful gift. That's what I think it looks like, Ecclesia, to bet on people. And I'm telling you, more than any team you can bet on, 
hardworking people that love God and they want a better life for their kids and they're just going to find it and they're going to work for it. Those are the kind of people we want to bet on. We were in a similar environment in Mexico City uh, this last year in November when the world was uh, just talking all about this migrant caravan. There was so much talk and we looked around and said, we don't really see any action. And so our church flew to Mexico City. We guessed when we thought the migrant caravan would hit the city. It was the first big caravan to come through. And we brought some food trucks and we made friends and we blessed people and we fed them and we prayed for them and we encouraged them. And as will often happen in those environments, certain people stand out with special needs. And our dear brother Axel had a need. He, he was trying to walk with a caravan and he literally, um, I don't know how he was doing it. I couldn't believe it. I thought this kid is the most courageous kid I've ever met in my life. And instantly we said, we wanna help this kid and his family. And most of you know the story. It's been amazing to see uh, God work out in a miraculous way how his family could get here to Houston. And uh, I want you to hear directly from Axel. You'll see him around church. If you're downtown, you'll see him often. Um, and you'll see Michelle and Adania. And as we get to walk with them, I wanted Axel to tell you uh, what's been going on in his life since you heard from him last. Hi, my name is Axel. I am from Nicaragua. I am 15. I go to Heights High School. Pues primeramente, eh, donde me reuní con ellos, donde los conocí a todos ellos, fue en Galveston. Ahí cuando fuimos a Galveston, eh, ahí me sentí tímido por varias veces. Me sentí con miedo porque decía yo, eh, vengo de Nicaragua y, y ahora dónde estoy, decía yo. Eh, pues cuando conocí a los chicos me comencé a sentir más, no sé, más como en familia, así, con la iglesia. Cuando estoy agrupado con ellos me siento feliz gracias al Pastor Cris que nos ha ayudado y a toda la congregación. Si no, no estuviéramos aquí. Gracias a ellos, eh, no sé, estuviéramos muertos o presos eh, de, o desaparecidos. Ecclesia, if that doesn't move you, um, I don't know what would. Aren't you glad that together we bet on Axel? That's going to be the best bet any of us ever made. This kid. He, he loves people so well. He works so hard to, to come as far as he's come with his English this year to pass the star test. I'm telling you, I love this kid and I can't wait to be a part of his future. You're a big part of his future and that's what we do as a church. We find people and we bet on them. What does it mean to bet on them? It means to bless them and resource them. That's what we think it means. It's not in the Bible, it's not the term, but in a similar way to a birthright. Who are the people in your life that you can bet on? And then what does it mean to be a part of a church that really sees ourselves 
as a community that's intended to bet on people together. All of you aren't gonna make it to the tent in Venezuela to meet the mother that has a need. But what we want to do is resource the people that are there so they knew who to bet on, right? And they, they meet a mother that has a kid uh, like Jorge Alberto right now, one of the kids that we're helping, that has liver damage. And we're working hard, not just with the medicine, but new opportunities and new treatments for Jorge Alberto and for his mother to be able to provide for him. And when we get a chance together, we can bet on people and we can see them thrive on the other side of it. I'm grateful that Dr. Reynolds and Joe Bullard and so many other people bet on me and bet on Ecclesia. We wouldn't be who we are. We wouldn't be doing what we do today because they knew that we were going to be blessed so that we could be a blessing. That's what we want to do. You're blessed. I don't know what you see particularly in your hands today, but I know all of us have some resources. And as we pull those resources together, I believe that the next years to come, we'll do more with them than we've ever imagined. And we're gonna have more stories like Axel's and Alexandria and Andrea and so many others that love people and serve people well because we believed in them and we cared for them and they're gonna care for others. So I wanna ask our brother Wayne Brown to come now. Aren't you blessed, Westside, that we get to have, the, I mean, for this guy to be your campus pastor, I'm just telling you, um, if I could pick anybody around that I'd want to travel with me, to go somewhere with me, to share a meal with me, Wayne is just one of the most faithful friends and pastors you could ever have. I'm so glad uh, that Wayne let us bet on him. We always knew. We always wanted to bet on Wayne because we just knew uh, when you lean in with Wayne, he's just going to work faithfully and love people well. And that's exactly what he's done. And I'm going to ask him to share with you a little bit more about how we can do this well on the West Side. Hi, I'm Wayne. <laughs> um, if you're like me, sometimes when you hear people say really great things about you, uh, you don't know what to do with that. Um, but it's just good to receive and say thanks and to say, I can't tell you in words how grateful I am to get to be with you and to get to work with our team, uh, some people I dearly love, and to watch us do things together that are just remarkable and beautiful in this city. And I just want to share some stories about how God has bet on me, and then I want to share a passage from the scriptures to help us remember that this idea of betting on people isn't a new idea. This is something that the church has been doing for thousands of years. Um, it, it's funny, I, I didn't share this with uh, 9 o'clock because uh, my college roommate showed up today um, at the 11 o'clock with a buddy that we played football with, and we were talking about some folks, and he reminded me of somebody that bet on me. Uh, his name was Coach Reitz. He actually spent some time coaching at Houston Christian High School, uh, who I played against, and then when he left, he went to go be an assistant uh, coach at a school called Millsaps College in Jackson. And he took a bet on me and asked me to come out there and play football, uh, which is where I got to go. And I met my wife there. He was a Sunday school teacher at a church called First Baptist Jackson. Uh, so he invited me to come with him there. And I ended up uh, serving in the middle school ministry as a lowly intern, uh, which is actually where I met Jim Doremus for the first time. Uh, he was serving as a pastor there. Uh, and his boys were in the college ministry. Got to, got to hang out and get to know them a little bit. Um, but I would have never been there if that guy hadn't bet on me and asked me to come do something. And after I finished up uh, college, knew I wanted to go on to seminary, and I heard about this program in Los Angeles, California. It was one of those things when I started reading about it, I knew I had to go be a part of this, this church and this seminary and what was going on. So 
I sent a bunch of emails, uh, made some phone calls, and I got in touch with a guy whose name is Steve Saccone. And he was the director of the program there. And uh, I'm sure I was incredibly annoying, right? Like I was just emailing constantly. Uh, and finally, we set up uh, a phone call. And he did kind of an interview over the phone to see if it was a good fit. And then he said, hey, let's do another phone interview. And at the end of that second phone interview, he invited my wife, Emily, and I to go out to Los Angeles and interview in person and meet some people and continue that journey. And you don't really know people very well after three conversations, right? Uh, but he took another bet and said, hey, I think we want to invest in you. It was a two-year commitment. And he said, I want you to come out to Los Angeles. And he and his wife, Sherry, didn't just invite us to come out. They actually opened up their home and said, since you're selling your house and everything you own, except for what you can fit in your two cars, like you can come live with us for three weeks while you figure out where you're going to work and where you're going to live. And they really bet on us. And he spent the next two years being an amazing mentor and a friend, um, just asking me questions, encouraging me. And at the end of the two-year program, he called all 12 of us who were graduating together. And he booked a room that was on the rooftop of a restaurant in, in Venice Beach. It was absolutely gorgeous. And he pulled us all together, and he gave us all a gift. Um, and I've got it with me. And he probably spent uh, 20 bucks on each person's gift. Um, but he went one by one, and he picked an action figure. And he gave us all an action figure um, or a superhero. And you may be wondering, why does a grown man <laughs> still have this toy? Uh, but what he did is he picked each action figure or each superhero, and he one by one looked us in the eye, and he says, I'm giving you this because I see this superpower in you, and I believe you're going to go on and you're gonna do amazing things. And he, sorry, he gave me Spider-Man uh, because he said, with great power comes great responsibility. And he said, I believe you're gonna do amazing things one day. And I want you to be responsible with that. And sorry, I get choked up still. Um, and that's why I've kept it to this day. It sits in the office over there and it's just a reminder. Um, and I just think about that simple investment 20 bucks and I carry it with me and it's, it's just reminds me to, to live up to that thing. I feel like he saw something in me that I couldn't even see in myself yet. And still even sometimes I'm trying to see, you know, trying to believe it's there. And I think that's what we're talking about when we talk about betting on people is what does it look like for us to be the people that name and invite and call out something out of those around us that even they can't see in themselves. And there's a passage in the scriptures uh, that I want us to take a look at because uh, you can see this happening there. And it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And what's going on in 2 Corinthians 9 is Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, uh, which is in the southern part of Greece. And he's writing to them because that church committed to give a gift to a church in Macedonia, which is, if you were to walk there, is weeks away. It would take you weeks to get there if you were going to walk these people had never met, they'd never see each other, they'd never actually get to interact. But the church in Corinth had agreed, uh, agreed to give a gift to this church to help out in a time of need. And so Paul is writing to them to help connect the dots of this is what it's going to do, this is what it's going to mean for this church. And so he says in verse 6 of chapter 9, But I will say this to encourage your generosity. The one who plants little harvests little and the one who plants plenty harvests plenty. Giving grows out of the heart, 
Otherwise, you're, you're reluctantly grumbled yes because you felt you had to or because you couldn't say no. But this isn't the way God wants it. For we know that God loves a cheerful giver. God is ready to overwhelm you with more blessings than you could ever imagine so that you'll always be taken care of in every way and you'll have more than enough to share. Remember what is written about the one who trusts in the Lord. He scattered abroad. He gave freely to the poor. His righteousness endures throughout the ages. The same one who has put the seed into the hands of the sower and brought bread to fill our stomachs will provide and multiply the resources you invest and produce an abundant harvest from your righteous actions. When I hear that, I think about the time that Steve invested in me again. So about eight months after I graduated, we had moved to Houston. I took a job teaching high school math uh, and he called me up and said, hey, how's it going? Just fill me in, what's going on? So I was telling him and towards the end of the conversation, um, he asked me, because he knew I was going to Ecclesia, didn't really have much of a relationship with Chris yet. And he said, hey, is it okay if I call Chris? And I was thinking, that's really weird, but yeah, it's like, okay, like call him, you know? Didn't think anything else of it, hung up, love you, Steve, you know, and I go about my business. And about two days later, I get a phone call from a Houston number that I didn't recognize. So I did what you do and I sent that to voicemail, right? Um, and then I checked the voicemail and it's, it's Chris. And he's saying, hey, would love to spend some time with you. Why don't you come uh, meet me at the gym? We'll work out and just get to talk. And so I thought, okay. And at the end of the time that we were there working out together, uh, we got to talk. He said, hey, I, I, I want you to preach this next Sunday coming up. But just the Sunday night, because I'm going out of town after 11, and I need somebody to do the 5 o'clock. And so Chris, without really knowing me, took a bet on me because Steve said, hey, like, here's somebody that you should invest in. And it wasn't long after that that I got invited to come on staff. And so the story goes, right, that this idea of when we give generously, it leads to something that is infinite, that when we invest in people, it's not a finite investment, it's an infinite investment. And this is what he's talking about. So if you look at verse 11, he says, you will be made rich in everything so that your generosity will spill over in every direction. Through us, your generosity is at work inspiring praise and thanksgiving to God. For this mission will do more than bring food and water to fellow believers in need. It will overflow in a cascade of praises and thanksgiving for our God. I was talking to Mike Yeager, who's uh, one of the pastors downtown. He's doing the video recap and we were sharing ideas. And he said, when he hears that, his image is of uh, like somebody in the slot machine hitting the jackpot and all the quarters just flowing out. And they're there just in shock and awe of like, oh my gosh, I just hit the jackpot. Um, I don't think of that. I think of, uh, I actually think more of the stock market, you know, like this idea of, hey, I'm gonna bet on this company and hoping that it turns into an investment of something. But what he's saying is when we bet on people, it goes even beyond just what I can see on paper. When I can see, hey, when I bought this stock, it was worth this much and now it's worth this much. When we bet on people, it overflows in gratitude and thanksgiving and they're able to bet on other people and bet on other people and it goes forward and forward. That when we do this work together, it's truly infinite. And then he says in verse 13, when this mission reaches Jerusalem, 
and meets with the approval of God's people there, they will give glory to God because your confession of the gospel of the anointed one led to obedient action and your generous sharing with them and with all exhibited your sincere concern. Because of the extraordinary grace of God at work in you, they will pray for you and long for you. Praise God for this incredible, unbelievable, indescribable gift. And what Paul is saying is, hey, you're here and I'm writing to you because the church in Jerusalem bet on me to go to you and share the gospel with you. And you took that and now you're sharing with a church that you've never met. And so this other church that you've never met is gonna hear about it and they're gonna be elated and excited. And I feel like that's what we get to do when we talk about these opportunities in Venezuela. Most of us will never get to meet these people. They'll never get to meet us, but they're gonna get this gift and they're gonna receive it and it's gonna result in so much joy and thanksgiving that you can't measure it down, you can't write it out, you can't put it on paper, it's truly infinite. And so Ecclesia, what does it look like for us to be the kind of people that invest in people more than we invest in the stock market, that bet on people more than we bet on the stock market? I have a few ideas for how we can do that. One is to take some time and just remember who are the people that bet on us? Because if you're like me, you can think of some people that took a risk, that took a chance on you. And what would it look like for this week to take some time and just write them a note and send it to them or an email or a text and say, you bet on me and here's what it means for me. You've, you spent some time, you spoke this thing into my life, you offered a blessing and then a resource and this is what it means, this is what I'm up to now. I think that'd be an amazing gift to so many people in our lives. Another way is, Chris talked about these gifts that we're gonna be able to give people at the border, that for $20, right, the cost of a Spider-Man, the cost of uh, so many things that we, we just spend every day, we'll be able to give them socks and shoes and a protein bar, and we'll be able to give them a blessing that they can take on their next journey, an encouragement that says, we're with you, we love you. When we, when we come at the end at communion, we're gonna have some baskets out and you can place some donations in there if you'd like to give towards that. And our promise to you is that 100% of those donations are gonna go to people at the border where they can give out these kind of gifts. If you're like me and you're like, I don't have cash or checks, like I don't, I don't know what that is anymore, uh, you can text to give as well. And you can just simply text the word Venezuela to 84321, and you can uh, participate that way. If you are thinking you might wanna do that, you might wanna take a picture, because that's not gonna be back up later. Um, but that's an easy way to do that. And then Chris talked about, hey, we wanna get some vans, right? It's $10,000 for a van. Um, I have a feeling that there's some people in this room who could buy a van themselves. And if you have that kind of capability and that resource, what a gift. Uh, there's an opportunity to do that. And then lastly, one that I think we all can do is Jim's gonna tell us a little bit more about a mentoring program at Springwoods Middle School where we can make a commitment to spend one hour a week um, or four hours a month connecting with middle school students to do just that, to tell them, hey, we love you. You're good at this. You can do this. You're not weird. You're not abnormal. You're beautiful. You're courageous. We can spend time putting that kind of investment in kids in our city this year, and who knows where that's gonna go. If you want some more information about how to do that, you can find Jim at the Connect table after. And as we talk about this and betting on people, 
I think it's important that we pause and remember that God himself has bet on us, that Jesus himself has bet on you, that he came to this earth and he literally bet his life on you, that he literally bet his life on the church coming together as one, that together we could do things that couldn't be done otherwise, that the whole world would be changed and set free because of the sacrifice he made and how it would change us. And so today we're gonna come to communion and we're gonna take some time to pause and reflect and remember the bet that Jesus made on us so that we can be the people who bet on others. Ecclesia, will you pray with me? Father, we're so grateful for your love and your grace, for your presence in our lives. And we pause to acknowledge the amazing sacrifice, the risk you took for us, that you literally bet your life for all of us. And so we thank you for this bread and for your body that it represents that was broken for us. And we ask that today as we eat, that we would just receive your love for all of us, your presence in our lives through thick and thin. And we thank you for this cup, for this juice and this wine, and for your blood, which it represents, that was poured out for us. And we ask that as we drink today, that it would overflow in our hearts with love and generosity, that it would be the courage we need to bet on those around us, to invest in those around us, that you would change the whole world. And we ask all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.